It seems like creatives always get a bad rap. From childlike tantrums and ridiculous green room requests, strange superstitions, and even self-mutilation, it's clear that artists have plenty of strange habits. But they've also made a pretty big impact on the world. Hi, I'm Kate Rooney. And I'm Jess Scuffy. And you're listening to Creatives Are the Worst, presented by Design Pickle, the leading flat rate graphic design and creative services platform. In this podcast, we'll be uncovering the fascinating myths and shocking stories behind the artists we love, or in some cases, love to hate, as we try to determine, are creatives the worst? Hello, and welcome to Creatives Are the Worst, presented by Design Pickle. My name is Kate Rooney, and I'm with, as always, my lovely co-host, Jess Guffey. Kate, what are we doing today? We are mixing it up yeah, we are. on Creatives Are the Worst. We are doing a mini episode today. And for all of our diehard listeners, we did take a little break. Just, you know, it's end of the quarter, new quarter starting, and we've been a little busy, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, just a little. But because of that, we're breaking things up with some smaller episodes to talk about things that we didn't get to talk about in some earlier episodes. So you can go back and reference those. But yeah, we have some really exciting things for the podcast planned out for this few upcoming months. Yeah. And I think we kind of realized like we talk about really cool people and we're never going to be able to jam pack their lives into an hour episode. So we want to take this opportunity to kind of deep dive into some of their really notable pieces of work. And that can obviously look a lot of different ways since we cover different types of people. Not sure if we're just going to like spend a whole episode or mini episode on one dish that Gordon Ramsay has cooked. That might be a little bit. I don't know. We could. We could. But we're really going to focus on their famous works and maybe some of the stories behind those because they're pretty interesting, as you can imagine. So I'm excited for this. So what do you have for us today, Jess? Well, Kate, you already know who I'm covering, so spoiler alert to the audience. (laughs) It's not a surprise like it usually is, so no crazy reactions here, but (laughs) I thought it would be fitting to go back in time a little bit. We're at 25 episodes now. Let's rewind to our very first episode and talk about Purple Rain and just dive into Prince a little bit more because who doesn't love talking about Prince? Oh, I'm so excited. We didn't build a portal, though, this time. No. we. Yeah, that's right. When we recorded the Prince episode, we were together at my house. It was so hot. That's <laughs> one thing I remember from that day. So hot. And we had candles lit. It was uh, quite an experience. We don't have that today, but I think it'll still be just as magical. Yeah. And the cool thing about Purple Rain is it's a song, it's an album, and it's a movie. So we're going to do quick little deep dives on, t- I guess that's contradictory, but you know Quick what I mean. little deep dives. Quick little deep dives. <laughs> Don't hit yeah. your head at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to do brief discussions about each one. So the song, the We're going to do some belly flops onto each. <laughs> some cannonballs, perhaps. Mm. Uh, some gainers, if you will. I don't <laughs> oh know. my. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's do it. So I would highly recommend if you're listening to this episode and have not listened to the Prince episode, you should go back and listen to it because you might need to after <laughs> listening to this. might not make as much sense, but it's important to know, as always, this is our opinion. This is based on our research. You guys know the deal. Not as bad in this because we're not deciding if someone is the worst, but maybe we'll decide if the album and the song and the movie are the worst. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> So, I want to start with the movie. So, 
if you've listened to the full episode or you know anything about Prince at all, you know that Prince hadn't really done film before. And one day he just decided that he really wanted to be a movie star. Mm-hmm. Just so badly wanted to break into the film industry. And this was around the time he had had moderate success already and had had number one singles. He had been successful in the music industry. So me thinks he was getting a little itchy to <laughs> kind of expand his creativity at this time. Mm-hmm. And you know what's interesting is we've uh, Prince was one of our first few episodes. Uh, wait, not our first episode, was he? He was. He was our first. Well, just since then, we've talked about so many other creatives, and we've kind of seen a similar pattern that we didn't expect with them wanting to branch out into different industries. A lot of musicians wanting to break into film, vice versa, even. I never saw that coming. The whole music to film thing is wild. But anyway, so... This journalist wrote an interesting book around his life and like the making of Purple Rain and everything, and it's called Let's Go Crazy. (laughs) And he was quoted saying, It's astonishing when you think back. I think we look at Purple Rain now a little bit and think there was a sort of inevitability about Purple Rain. You know, Prince was the great genius of his day, and there was going to be some vehicle that was going to come along and translate that to the world. But if you look at the moment that it happened, when Prince went to his managers and said, you have to get me a feature film deal or you're fired. (laughs) And what came out was a movie with a first-time director, first-time producer. Prince was a star who'd never acted. His band was most of the cast. And they said, we're going to shoot in Minneapolis in the winter. (laughs) Now, which piece of that sounds like it's going to be a big success? It made no sense at all, and I think what I really came to appreciate more than anything doing this book was getting the sense of the vision and the way that Prince just willed this thing into happening, and could see a potential and possibility that really didn't even make sense to the people who were closest to him at the time. Hmm. So, as he mentioned in this quote, and as we talked about, he wasn't an actor. The cast hadn't acted before. First-time director... Prince also notoriously refused to do publicity, so they didn't have, like, press backing the movie at all or press hyping it up because Prince wasn't accessible to the press. So they were like, okay, dude, <laughs> go ahead, I guess. And on top Let's of go all crazy. that, right, the producers were first-time producers. So no one on this film knew what they were doing, which I didn't realize. I, I'm just not fully convinced that Prince isn't, like, a wizard or a magician or something <laughs> at this point. I 100% think he was a wizard. <laughs> Hot takes. Right now. He waves his wand, his purple wand, and it, it magic happens. Well, and you wonder, I mean, we're going off on a tangent, but hey, that's what these mini episodes are for. With that, is like part of his mystique what caused him to be famous? Or is his fame what caused the mystique? That's mm. something I think about a lot with him. <laughs> I don't How often know. are you thinking about that, Jess? <laughs> well, when I was doing this episode. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> Anyways, so we I said first-time producers. They were actually his managers, and everyone was just kind of fumbling around, and obviously he had threatened to leave, so all of this was to make Prince happy, essentially, because they were like, we have a star among us. He's making really good music. He really wants to do this, so I guess we'll go on this journey with him. Let's try it. And they were still having to please a studio while they were trying this out. So it was like an experiment. No one knew what they were doing, but the studio was like, uh, what? (laughs) (laughs) 
they don't even know who Prince is at this point because he's not a Hollywood name. He's a musician. So there was a lot of talk around this venture that it was going to fail very quickly and it wasn't going to be successful. There's really no confidence in any of the people involved. It was just like, well, we're going to let him have his moment. And then once it fails, we'll just get him back on track to make Mm. music where he belongs. So I mentioned this, but he didn't do press. We talked about that a lot in the episode. The mystique and mystery was very, very large around him. But he did not do one interview during the Purple Rain cycle. Not one with anyone. So not only was it an unknown quantity, but he wasn't out there promoting it. He wasn't giving interviews. And lo and behold, (laughs) they still made the movie. I don't know. He just didn't want to. So I think maybe we can make our own hypotheses about this, but... Maybe he did that on purpose because he knew people were talking about it and that they would want to watch it if he didn't do any press. Hmm. I don't know. It's like he made something that he knew was amazing, but so many people had expectations that it would flop and be terrible. Like people wanted to see how bad it was going to be. Yeah. Turns out. Fooled ya. Fooled ya. I mean, we all know how that story ended, but I want to get to the story because a lot of people speculated about what it was about and people were like oh my gosh it's his life like this he's telling his own story and we don't really know for sure still but a lot of people think that it was his way of dealing with being a black man like he was really trying to figure out his place in the world one quote said there's something about purple rain that felt real and felt honest to his experience to his experience of being an outsider of not feeling like his music fit in of not feeling that he fit that he was trying to build this community around him but he didn't really know how to build community and work with other people Jess, could you for the the people listening and definitely not for me can you give a quick synopsis of what the the film entails no <laughs> <laughs> No. (laughs) Well, carry on then. (laughs) No, we'll get to a little bit of it. It's essentially a coming of age story is what I understand about it. The original film and Prince's vision for the film and the story was going to be much darker and with a lot more death. Like he wanted it to be this dark drama. And I guess in the story, uh, spoiler alert, if you've not watched Purple Rain, Kate and I haven't, so sorry, Kate, but this is kind of critical to the story. (laughs) Apparently, there's like a dad in the story, his dad, that tries to commit suicide but survives. And at the end, they all have like a happy story and it becomes this happy thing because he survives, realizes that it was a mistake, blah, blah, blah. But Prince actually fought against this and wanted it to be where the dad committed suicide and then that was it. Like, he was dead and out of the picture. Hmm. So the whole story changed from his original vision and made it a little bit more commercialized. But it, That's interesting. It sounds like he was still happy with it and everyone was kind of trying to... I kept saying, like, they're fumbling along, but they were fumbling along in the way that, like, hey, dude, like, we still need to make the theater happy. Yeah. We still need to make the studio happy. We still need people to watch it. And a lot of people were like, uh, this is a little dark for everyone right now. So if we go forward with your storyline, it might not do as well. And I think that's what kind of made it click for him. Like, Okay, interesting. Maybe we shouldn't. 
So, as we know, the film was a box office success, so regardless of if Prince's vision was exact or not, I think they got to a place where it was a good, solid film, and everyone, after we released the first episode, Kate, everyone was, like, yelling at us. Do you remember that? About not seeing Purple Rain? No, I just tuned that all out. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you guys not seen this movie. (laughs) We still haven't watched it, so... Oh, I thought we're, we should have kept that a secret. <laughs> I know we should have. We should have been like, yeah, the dad, the dad stays Oh my alive. gosh, did you see that rain coming down? It was so purple. <laughs> yeah, we're we're the worst. <laughs> we really are. Anyways, interesting that the film was able to succeed with so few people that knew what they were doing. So, on to the album. Hmm. Alan Light is the journalist that I keep referencing, and he put it in a really interesting way, and I think music buffs probably know this, but I didn't really know about any of this, so it's interesting to hear. The music world, I guess, was very segregated in the early 80s, so there was quote-unquote black music, which was R&B, that type of music, and he said that that existed in a post-disco isolated space. Hmm. And then there was white music, quote-unquote, which was rock and roll. And so he said that going into the film and making the music to go with the film, Prince was up against a really tough place because on one side you had the desire to make a rock and roll album and move away from his R&B to fit in and make it super mainstream, but then he'd be turning his back on his audience and going away from what he had done. So the good news is Thriller and MTV kind of made music more integrated and brought everyone together before the film and the album were even an idea. So we moved away from that, but it still existed, right? Like Prince had only made R&B music, so this was about to be a huge departure for him to make an entire album that was a rock and roll album. Mm Mm-hmm. And as we know, I mean, I said it in the top of the episode, but he had had a little bit of success mainstream. So 1999 had already come out at this point and Little Red Corvette had already come out at this time. So when Purple Rain came out, the album was actually credited to Prince and the Revolution. And the speculation is he added the Revolution not because he needed their musical input or their creativity or even their instruments. We know that he played a ton of instruments. We know that he is obsessive about his music, but more so that he could position himself as a frontman mm. for a rock band so that he could cross over into a bigger audience. Smart. I found that fascinating. That is clever. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that is interesting, having to find a way to reach into other types of audiences smart though you you can see kind of like the savviness behind that choice totally and people started wondering with that i mean people that are really in tune like alan was with the music industry but is it him positioning the band for himself and his own gain or did he genuinely like having people around him when he was creating And that's a question we still don't know the answer to. So Hmm. if you have opinions on that, I'd love to hear it. But I guess when he first put the album out, his road manager, Alan Leeds, was not a fan. And he felt like Prince was selling out based on the R&B he had made previously and felt like it was just fake and alienating his previous audience of R&B fans. (laughs) I'm playing these songs in my head. I'm playing 1999 versus Purple Rain. And... Uh, again, we are not musicians. I am 
probably tone deaf, but I feel like they're not <laughs> too dissimilar. No? Yeah, I... Or maybe it's the I album think, as a whole, because maybe that had a lot more like rock to yeah. it. Yeah, I think it's more about the album as a whole at this point. Like, I think the other albums, they had the Little Red Corvette and they had 1999, but it wasn't hmm. necessarily... Yeah, I guess it was a little the, bit more funk versus some guitar totally. riffs going on. Exactly. Which Prince is great at. So good. So good. I just love doing this episode because it gave me an excuse to listen to Prince nice. again. But as you know, Kate, or I'm going to remind you because we didn't listen to our own episode. Probably can't remember. This. But when Dove's Cry was actually the first single off the Purple Rain album, oh, I love that song. in all of its trippy glory, it came out. And it actually, I did not know this, but it was written as a summary statement about Purple Rain the movie. When doves cry? Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. So apparently I, some of the lyrics, if you've seen the movie and you look at the lyrics, you're like, oh, wow, this makes sense huh. now. Uh-huh. Interesting. So, that that song makes me think of uh, Romeo and Juliet, but like the 1990-2001 yeah. version? know what year that was probably way off yeah i can't help you anywho no you're close (laughs) yeah so summer statement about the movie purple rain and obviously it was a totally different feel than anything else he had done at that point i mean if you think of the melody of that song and just like the funky beats and it's kind of like industrial almost like it's just a weird song and people say to this day it still hasn't been replicated like people have tried to copy that sound but no one has been able to capture it the way prince was and as we know, it was the biggest single of 1984, even though it was trippy as hell and huh. just a weird little song. Hey, Jess, what do you call a pickle sale? I don't know. What do you? A sweet dill. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah, that joke might be the worst, but you know what's not the worst? Design pickle. That's right. Design Pickle is the world's leading flat rate creative services platform, offering so many features. I could go on and on, but some of my favorites are unlimited requests, unlimited revisions, Adobe source files, brand profiles, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And on top of all those great features, there's also a 30 day satisfaction guarantee. So all new users can sign up, try it for a month and see if it's a good fit for you or your business. And extra bonus, if you're a listener of this podcast, sign up using the code WORST and get $100 off your first month of any of our plans. That's right. That's code WORST, W-O-R-S-T, all caps, and get $100 off any plan for your first month. That's a pretty sweet deal indeed. So with that said, on to the actual iconic Purple Rain song. I don't know, Kate. I was thinking about this as I was putting it together. Do you think the song, the album, or the movie is more iconic? Mm-hmm. I, I'm i just going to say the song, but mm-hmm. uh, also, <laughs> we didn't listen to the, the episode, but I did watch his performance at uh, the Super Bowl very recently, and just like, again, a wizard, for sure. A wizard. And he went to Hogwarts. He definitely had a wand. Likely. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Uh, but I agree with you. I don't know. What do you... Oh, okay. Yeah. Me. I, <laughs> I feel like when I hear Purple Rain, I'm like, oh, the guitar riff comes to mind. Not like, oh, yeah, yeah the movie. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure some people probably do, but... Well, we that's not even a fair question because we haven't seen the movie, so maybe the movie, but mm. if you're just talking about, like, 
what people think of. I assume most people think about the the song. I think so too. So let's get into the song. As I mentioned, he was with the revolution for the album and they first heard the song at a Minnesota warehouse. And that was where they recorded most of the album purple rain. And apparently it was out in the boondocks and Prince was shouting out chords because he's Prince and just directs people via shouting, I guess, like do this chord real quick. (laughs) And then this is all according to their keyboardist at the time from the revolution, Lisa Coleman. And I guess Wendy, who had just joined the band, started playing chords on the guitar. And apparently Prince was really impressed by that. So they kind of collaborated on the entire sound of Purple Rain. And I mentioned this in the first episode about Prince, or the real episode, I should say. But the song was first meant for Stevie Nicks. And Mm, she turned it down because it was too much for her. It was just too overwhelming. She was like, I just don't know what to do with this song so too much for stevie nicks yeah, i mean she's like lovely on. offer dude but i i don't know what to do with it so after the band had arranged it they felt good about the song no one else really knew about it it was only the band and prince started to get really worried i'm just gonna say i find this part fascinating i did not know this but he started to get really really worried that it sounded too close to faithfully by journey hmm and he was so weird, like he couldn't get over this. So he called Jonathan Kane from the band and was like, uh, hey, can you listen to this song and let me know if it sounds too close to Faithfully? And I guess Jonathan Kane was immediately impressed with the song and said, I thought it was an amazing tune. I told him, man, I'm just super flattered that you even called. It shows that you're that Aww. classy of a guy. Good luck with the song. I know it's going to be a hit. Wow. I've never thought of that for I wouldn't put two together. I mean, now that it's out there, I can kind of hear where there might be some similarities, but I almost think there's such subtle musical similarities that normal people aren't like, wow, that sounds exactly like Faithfully by Journey. (laughs) What a class act for reaching out to him. And that is tough because, I mean, a lot of songs and especially pop songs, they are just the same chords, just in different ways and different patterns so there's definitely going to be some overlap but 100 totally different i know song here so everyone go listen to both and let us know if you have specific thoughts on that but i just thought that was cool and i always think it's cool when musicians lean on other musicians for their work and they respect each other and yeah i i just like that story so on august 3rd my sister's birthday <laughs> oh happy birthday delaney she used to say she couldn't say her r's and she would say august third <laughs> oh, that's so cute <laughs> oh. we were all really upset when she grew out of that <laughs> purple wayne <laughs> yeah, exactly august third <laughs> so on august 3rd 1983 Prince and the band broke off from filming the movie of Purple Rain and recording the album to play a benefit gig for their choreographer. And they had never played Purple Rain publicly at this point. Okay. So they ended the gig with Purple Rain. (gasps) And obviously it's 10 minutes. (laughs) It's a really long song. They actually started it on the acoustic guitar, and as we know, it ends with just, like, electric guitar, crazy sounds. Shredding. Shredding all over. But what I didn't know is that 
they recorded that and what we all hear today, 98% of the recording today is from that benefit recording. No. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah. That is bananas. My mind is blown right now. I know. And I mean, there was some light editing on the guitar solo and like to reduce the echo or increase the echo, whatever they did. But 98% of that is from that first night they ever played it. Wow. It's like they captured that lightning in a bottle that captured right? the magic of that evening. And what are the odds that you the world? capture that? And they were super prepared to play the song. Like they had already been messing around with it in the warehouse when they had been practicing. So the band was super prepared to debut it. But could anyone have anticipated that it would go on to be the hit that they <laughs> made it? Like, my God. Prince was like, Wingardium Leviosa. <laughs> Well, let's Prince make a hit. Like, I knew. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, seriously, the song won an Oscar. That I know for sure. So like, who? Wow. I mean, insane. But I guess Lisa Coleman, the keyboardist, she remembers the club being packed with people and that they were super, super tired because they had been working so hard on the album and also filming because they were all in the film as well. And I guess it was just like really tense going in. And they also knew that they'd be playing music for the crowd that they had never played before. And she was like, the thing that I remember is that nobody was singing along to the songs, which is a really weird feeling if you're a pretty known band. But she said that night was on fire. It was just so different for Prince, almost a country song. But it got to them by the end. And his guitar solo was so beautiful. I get chills thinking of it. I always kept my eyes on Prince in case he needed something, but I could see the faces and wide eyes in the front. It was like a kid seeing Santa Claus. Wow. Isn't that cool? Can you imagine being in the audience that night? I'm sure there are people out there that have stories about it. I would love to talk to those people and what it was like for them. But she also said, I remember Prince's guitar solo affected me. How could it not? And then when the, <laughs> I love how this is written, woo-hoo-hoo-hoo part came in. <laughs> it's, I'm sorry, the, it's, the what? It's written like that, the woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. <laughs> I love when people try to write sounds in words. It makes me so happy. And that, my friends, is onomatopoeia. Yep. So when that part came in and they got the crowd to sing it with them, she said that was mind blowing. Plus, I was having. <laughs> I'm just picturing them saying it like that, just monotone. <laughs> Say it with me, Jess. One, two, three. Woo-hoo. Oh, come on! What are you doing? One, two, three. Woo! This is embarrassing. We're fired as a band. <laughs> so lisa coleman said i was having this emotional reaction to the beauty of the music just keep playing your part and pay attention she had to remind herself as she was in the moment which is so i mean to hear that the band even though they already knew the song they had already created this song together they were feeling so emotional about it being debuted for the first time it's pretty powerful and big chick <laughs> i love that name <laughs> you can't even finish your sentence right now that's what Prince's bodyguard was named big chick 
when he heard it in rehearsal, he ran to Alan's office, the road manager, saying, you got to hear the song the boss wrote last night. Isn't this song so good? Willie Nelson's going to cover it. And I guess the vibe and the inspo was kind of country and western. I don't get that vibe at all from Purple Rain, so I was shocked to read this. Do you get that vibe? Again, just trying to play it back in my head. Like, I guess there's some, when it comes to the guitar, maybe a little twangy, but not, to me, that's more of the rock in it. I agree. But who knows? Well, I will leave you with two nuggets. One, Prince was inspired to write Purple Rain because of Bob Seger, because he used to follow his act a lot in arenas. So Bob would play a city and then Prince would be right behind him. And Prince was fascinated by why he was such a big star in the Midwest. Like, he couldn't put it together. And I guess his keyboardist said, or one of his keyboardists said, it was the big ballads, like, turn the page. Like, that's what got Mm -hmm. the arena going. That's why it was so popular. So what he wanted to do when he wrote Purple Rain was write an arena rock power ballad. So specific. Got it. So he knew exactly what type of emotions and everything he was trying to to draw out. Yep. I think that's so interesting. Isn't it so cool. I always think it's interesting too how there's there are different artists who are more focused on either the lyrics or the like actual instruments and composition. 100%. Or like the emotion, but like there's there's always a different driving force, and That's even such a with, good point. with my husband, we've had like conversations about this because he listens to music a lot for the rhythm and whatever. He's like all about the EDM, mm, mm, mm. and I <laughs> I <Ballon>. love <laughs> DJ Allen Ballon, and I like to listen to songs for the lyrical content. But like, I mean, obviously we like both, but yeah. people tend to sway to different different things and. With Prince, it's like, I want something that will get everyone on their feet in an arena. I want a yeah. power ballad. And Let's build it. An arena rock power ballad. That's great. That's so great. So I found that fascinating. And I agree, Kate. It's like, it's such a different style for each artist, especially the ones that we've covered thus far. Like, they all had their own way of doing things. Mm-hmm. And I think different people listen to different things. I'm the complete opposite of you. I listen to the melody. And, like, oh, I can tell okay. you the melody exactly. And I don't know if that's having a music background and, like, being able to hear it and, like, knowing the notes and what they are. Or if it's just, like, that's how my brain connects with song. Uh-huh. I don't know. I-, I remember reading an interview with Chris Martin from Coldplay. Oh, and t- to me, growing up listening to Coldplay, I was like, these lyrics is speaking to my soul. Well, yeah, oh. they hit different. <laughs> but in the interview, he said, I don't even think of the lyrics until well after like he starts with the melody he's all about the music and composing that and then like he's like sometimes i write songs and the lyrics don't even make sense <laughs> like what don't tell me that's changing my whole life because yeah that surprised me but you never know that's you uh know. Hmm. yep so the last question what is purple rain about <laughs> wouldn't we all love to know Well, in typical Prince fashion, because God forbid he just (laughs) says a normal answer and not a wizard answer, (laughs) but when someone asked him and he actually responded and gave somewhat of an interview about it, I think this was 20 years after the actual movie and song came out and album, he said, when there's blood in the sky, red and blue equals purple. Purple rain pertains to the end of the world and being with the one you love and letting your faith slash God guide you through the purple rain. 
he went on to say that he enjoyed the apocalyptic connotations of the color and used it frequently as a cut through piece of imagery. Well, wasn't expecting that. <laughs> kind of supports the wizard theory. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> oh, mean. I mean, um. the shoe fits. So all in all, I mean, Purple Rain, as we kind of talked about, it was able to exist in the newly integrated space of music. And with the movie, too, I think people were ready for it at that time. And someone said it was the moment, it being when all of this stuff came to light and went to the public. It was the moment Prince became Prince, a bizarre experimenter and pop genius in a single package, which sums him up pretty well. So what do you think, Kate? I mean, we're not deciding if it's the worst. So what do you think? What are your takeaways from this? Uh, I, well, Prince is a wizard. Yep. Uh, we know that now. Big takeaway. Yep. I loved all the stuff, hearing about the movie and how that was made. Didn't I had no idea that it was like scrapped together and he wanted it to end in a very dark manner. Yeah, he did. <laughs> uh, that was great. I'm glad we got to deep dive into that a little bit. And no. we have another mini episode coming out about someone else we've already covered in the past. Yeah, we do. Uh, excited for that one. Let us know how you feel about the mini episodes, too. If you have certain ideas on what works you'd like to see covered a little bit more, if you know of something like a movie or something that pertains to someone we've covered that has an interesting story that you want to hear, let us know. We'd love to get some suggestions on that. Yep. Hit us up at podcast at designpickle.com. Follow us on all the socials where you can see all the awesome custom illustrations we've created from our custom illustrations team over at creatives are the worst or worst creatives on twitter yeah we'll see you guys next week what was the song that they wanted everyone to sing back Woohoo! <laughs> okay we'll see you next week goodbye Bye. thanks for listening to creatives are the worst If you like what you're hearing, or if you think that we're the worst, please leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. We'd love to hear from you. You can also contact us directly at podcasts at designpickle.com, and a big thanks to Design Pickle for sponsoring the show. Join us next week as we once again try to answer the question, are creatives the worst?